What makes it hurt worse? What makes it hurt more is knowing what's going to happen to you, you know? There you are. They just come up to you and say, look, you made somebody mad. You made a big mistake, and now there's somebody doing time for it. There's nothing personal in it, you understand, but it just has to be done. Now get your hand out there. Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark and Adam Balderstone for an episode of a show that we haven't given a name to yet, but we're going to talk about gangster movies. And today we're talking about the 1973 film, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. This is a story of Eddie Coyle, a small-time member of the Irish mob in Boston, Massachusetts. It's considered one of the more authentic Boston-based films. Adam's been trying to get me to see this movie for a long time. So we, we, I finally watched it last night. We're going to have a discussion. And, um, and, and, and yeah, so I don't know. Adam, why don't you lead us in since this was something – this was your recommendation, so – uh, this is your fault, Balderstone. <laughs> you tell him what it's about. Uh, yeah. Well, you, know, you kind of gave an overview, but yeah, it's basically a uh, about a, the char- main character played by Robert Mitchum is uh, been busted recently on a crime, and he's kind of got the dilemma of whether he should turn somebody in to try and try and uh, get get rid of his sentence or not, and uh, it kind of spirals out from there. But it's. I love this movie, but, uh, you know, it's a very slow boil movie. I mean, it's a movie where you're literally like watching a bank robbery happen in real time, yeah. pretty much. It's like, which I, I love that. I love these things where you're just, the movie just lets you observe things. You're seeing something is what actually happened with no clever editing, just watching the events happen. The suspense seems to be built on that, on watching yeah. things unfold. Like okay, I gotta wait for this guy to get in the lot and then park and find a space. It's 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 all as if you're there and watching it. So it's it, and a lot of new movies don't do that. A lot of old movies don't do that as well. But yeah, this is one where you know some movies benefit from a much slower pace, and I think this one having that real time. Let's watch the car park uh, while we wait to see what happens. Yeah. Works. And you're, you're, you're watching what they're watching. You're like, yeah. Oh, okay. He's checking out where the cameras are when he goes into the bank, blah, blah, blah. He's looking to see what time the bank manager leaves yeah. his house. It's like, so it's not telling you any of this, but as you're watching, you're like, Oh yeah, this it's, it's letting you see what they're doing. It seemed uh, to yeah, be, it, Oh, go ahead, Joel. Go ahead. This, this movie wants you to pay a lot of attention to it. And it doesn't yeah. give you a lot of reason to do that if you're if you're spoiled of modern movies that like slam it all in your face. And it really, yeah. honestly, watching this movie kind of reminded me of some distaste I have for modern movies. Because I really feel like modern movies now they're jangling the keys in front of your eyes, and this movie is like sit down and pay attention, asshole. It's a very yeah. 1970s movie. Yeah. Oh, it's funny because uh, my nephews wanted me to watch Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl last night, which I'd never seen. So I watched that, and then I watched <laughs> this. And it's like you could not have a yeah. more clear contrast of a movie with just noise all the time and no connection whatsoever to reality. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, you can just sail sail a three masted uh, ship with with just a guy <laughs> with a steering wheel. One guy can can take care of that whole ship. But yeah, it's like, then totally, going, totally. go to this movie and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a contrast. No, and also it seemed really smart too. I I, I looked a little bit into it. Mm-hmm. it. Looks like the book that it was based on was written by a Boston. 
I forget what he was like a DA or some somebody that was involved in 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 policing in some way or in prosecuting or something like that. And mm-hmm. and this movie does seem to be pretty informed. Like uh, the steps that they take when they do the robbery all feel authentic. I don't know much about bank robberies, but it feels like a you know here's the smart things the bank robbers do. Uh, here's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes with sentencing and that kind of thing. You know, obviously this is before nine 11. So there's a lot of differences like policing works very differently now, but, Mm. but it just, it just was. And also it's, it's prescient because a lot of the stuff that's going on in this movie is stuff that really came to a head in Massachusetts with Whitey Bulger. Do you know what I mean? So there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a, um, it's, it's insightful because it comes out in the seventies and it kind of knows what's going on. And all and all that stuff that's going on is eventually going to lead to this big issue with the FBI and Whitey Bulger. So yeah, um, I'm not I'm not. I've, it's been a while since I've read about this movie, but I seem to remember that something about Whitey Bulger actually influenced this movie oh, too. Okay, so, that wouldn't. I, I don't know you. the truth. That I don't want to. I don't. I, I vaguely recall that. I don't know how far back he was active, so I have no idea. Yeah. But but like uh, but definitely this. I mean, it feels like it's in the the realm of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because by the time I like. He got arrested, I think, in like the late 80s. And I was a kid, you know, I was, you know, in high school by by 1990. So I was young when all that stuff was yeah. going on. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, so I don't know what what, uh, you know, what 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 was your reaction to this movie, Joel? Did you was this your first time viewing it or was this your had you seen it before? Why would I have ever seen this movie? Before? I don't. I don't know. I just. I. I <laughs> it's pretty obscure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I'd never heard of it. Honestly, I had no idea what I was getting into with this okay. movie. I never saw it before. Um, I have seen movies like this before. Uh, again, they kind of came out of the sixties and seventies, where movies really they seem to understand that you had paid a, a movie ticket admission price to yes. sit down in a quiet, respectful theater to give your full attention to something that was on a giant silver screen. This movie feels like it would play really well in a theater under those conditions. Yeah, yeah. And I actually watched this with a few friends of mine. So I was like, oh, hey, I'm over with my friends. Good to watch this movie. Oh, man. Uh, all of my friends are my age or younger. And they literally, some in some cases, fell asleep watching it. Oh, I was, really? Mm-hmm. I was enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is not... Modern audiences are not used to a film I like mean, this. This it's movie... About... The, so I... I, I... I, I didn't realize it was that obscure because people have recommended it to me for a very long time. So yeah, I, I, I mean, thought it's it was not an unknown movie, but it's, you know, but, but then I, I live in Boston. I, yeah. So. I live in Boston though. So I would expect people around here, like, you know, they're probably on yeah. their radar more than other people. But, but, uh, but yeah, it had me at the scene when he's in the diner with the, co- when he orders the coffee and stuff, just from that moment on, that was kind of when I was really, and he sits down and talks to the gun dealer. That's the yes. scene that really kind of gets yes. me. All the scenes it. with him talking to the gun dealer were complete gold. I love yeah. the second time they meet, and he's like, "Look, here's my deadline. That makes yeah. it your deadline." Yeah, yeah. And he just <laughs> lays it out for him. I was like, "Oh my god, what?" And like, it's just this dumpy middle-aged dude, and somehow he managed to convey this unbelievable, ridiculous level of threat that he could in no way back up. It's all a bluff. Well, but I, I have to, I have to say too, don't, you know, he is Robert Mitchell. I mean, that's yeah. uh, don't be. It's like just to give background, like I was a person, not as a, a character of the story. I mean, he's someone who got kicked out of middle school for for punching the principal, <laughs> then then started riding the rails for years, then 
uh, became a professional boxer, then ended up in a Georgia chain gang. And <laughs> yeah, okay, like, this is the hardest guy that ever lived. So he, yeah, every it's like there is every every menace, menacing thing. He, he basically can back well, up any threat that he gives. Well, so. well they, what's so fascinating about that is their first conversation is about how he got all of his knuckles broken, and like he completely got his ass kicked. But like when you think about it, when when he's kind of because he doesn't reference it in the second, but the the second conversation is informed by the first one. Yeah. Because yes. when he's talking in the second one, the the thing that's the threat is the authentic the authenticity of the criminal world that he's this vital part of. Like he, yeah. he's part of it, or it's vital in his life. He's not really like he's he's a small time player. But like it runs in his blood so deep that when he tells you that he knows people who will find you, you're like, oh god, he has to. Yeah. These are guys he plays <sighs> poker with. I'm doomed. Uh-huh. Yeah, no that that scene. I well, number one, I like the dynamic between him and the guns dealer because it's it is this thing where you don't. I don't really understand how much Eddie Coyle is bluffing and how much he isn't, and how big he is and how big he isn't because it's it's it it seems to kind of fluctuate and it's almost like uh, like there's a scene where his wife is like, "Oh, you're like the president of the United States. You're so important." You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it's a little unclear to like you know how much of it is just like his perception of himself versus what he's projecting versus what's the reality. But in that scene, I felt like what he was doing was he was he was kind of mentally dominating the situation because he he basically mm-hmm. said to the guy like number one he had the story about his hand but the way he got into it was he was like he's like you you know what what a, he said he like said something about his hand he's like it's a hand and he's like i hope you're not as you know careless when you look at look at your guns is when you look at that hand because there's a detail i want to tell you i mean that's how he said it but that's you know just the way yeah, he no, did that, that that's a really great way of presenting that too i really like that where he's like look at your hand, look at my hand. And yeah. he made certain that the guy like was, cause he's a, he's a kid, you know, yeah. he's a twitchy gun dealer in his twenties or something. So like he's high strung and he's not paying attention to details. And he's like, look, I'm an older guy. I know the value of slowing down and I'm going to teach you the value of slowing down by saying mm-hmm. that I have twice as many knuckles as you. Yeah. Here's why. You when know? he's also saying I've been initiated and you haven't is what I think. Like, I think he's saying oh, yeah. like, I've yeah. been, I've been through it and you haven't. And like, because in that scene, and the guy when the guy's holding his hand, the guy's hand is kind of limp in that scene. Do you know what I mean look? He's like, mm-hmm. there's something about it where like I almost thought he was going to say your hands are like delicate or something. Do you know what I mean? But he's just saying no. I've had my hands crushed in a drawer, and you haven't. And so yeah, well, there's 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 an interesting juxtaposition between the characters, like you know, like Coil, where he's part of the old school, and you've got like this young gun dealer who's kind of more yeah. part of the '60s counterculture yeah. scene, along with those people who are trying to buy the guns from him and stuff. So you've got got that interesting dynamic well, there. And and I didn't watch it twice. I only watched it once, but I watched it. I watched the first 30 minutes a second time this morning just to kind of freshen up on it. And one thing yeah. I noticed that I hadn't in the first one was that his the guy that he buys the guns from, the guy that the gun dealer buys the guns from, the druggy guy that he buys them from. Mm-hmm says you're yeah. still writing so he's obviously a writer that was what he wasn't always in this criminal world eddie coyle yeah. feels like he's long been in this criminal world that's, that's so, all he can do he yeah. doesn't know anything else there's this you know it's like at the end it's, yeah it's just there's the feeling it's, he just he has no clue how to do anything but be a criminal yeah. that's just outside of his grasp yeah and uh yeah so so you know that but that see that that was that was a really brilliant scene i thought um and uh yeah. I don't know. What about the other characters in the movie? Because, I mean, it's about Eddie Coyle, but it's the friends of Eddie Coyle. And obviously, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> what what good friends he has, you know. The, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, what, what did you think of the other characters in the film? 
I mean, where do you want to start? They're all pretty vibrant. Who do you hate the most? Let's start there. Who's the who's yeah, the, the who's the most evil? The most, who's yeah. the most evil in this movie yeah. of all? Of them? Oh, the bartender, oh, the man. The yeah. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. Peter. That, Peter Boyle. A rat that guy is. You know what's funny? I agree with you 100%. That's exactly what I thought. But he's also not the guy that was like murdering people and bank robberies the whole time. He is, though. He's effectively getting people killed. That's true. That's true. He does arrange hits, too. He's the one that sets up the whole hit on on Eddie. But Eddie's a criminal. Do you know what I mean? What I'm saying is those bank robbers are killing innocent people. You know, not... You know, I mean... You get the impression this guy would have any... Well, the thing is, he's, he's setting... I mean, Eddie is a criminal but he's setting him up for his own crime basically yes. he's setting out to be killed for a crime well, he, also, not a crime he committed so it would be a crime within the organized crime world but it's actually working with law enforcement so, well yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, so. it's he's he's setting up his own friend or his friend to be killed but also was he yeah. was he do you think he set eddie up on that truck thing that he got arrested for at the start of the the whole pre- background uh, thing because I, that I, was I, the guy I, that I, sent I, him on that job right yeah. But what would that have been? A, I mean, what would the setup have been? I guess. Yeah, I guess it could have been. A setup, well, he could have tipped but... off that guy yeah, or yeah, something. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And, that makes sense. Yeah, he probably did. And what that gets me thinking is the issue with Eddie Coyle is he's not that smart. Do you know what I mean? Because everybody no. else, as soon as they get arrested, like that, the guns dealer, he knows right away that Eddie Coyle set him up. Like right away, he's like, "Oh, that bastard!" Eddie Coyle has no yeah. idea that this that, that Peter Boyle. I can't remember what is his name, no. Dylan. That Dylan yeah. set him up. He has got. He doesn't yeah. seem to have any clue, and that's what ultimately leads him to trust him enough to get shot by him in the end. You know, so um, yeah. What well, about the gun dealer too? I like his name too. It's uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah, it's Jackie Brown. Wow. Hey, I wonder if Tarantino watched this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Seems. <laughs> yeah, he was an interesting character. I thought because he was like. I really like that character. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Because I. Yeah. He. He is. Because he is very sharp. And uh, he's, he's, yeah, there's just there's just he's a really hard character to, to pinpoint in a lot of ways. There's a lot of complexity there. And it's Stephen Keats is the actor who plays him, apparently. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he had I, a good physical presence, too, because he, he had a certain suaveness to his body language that's yeah. hard to like. I think you kind of have to either have that or not have it like Elvis sort of had that, too, where the sort of like mm-hmm. the, the certain poise, but also a certain kind of silkiness to the way he moves and the way he carries himself. It's an interesting confidence, and it really worked well to the character's advantage as well. Yeah, and I and I like how he's um, like when we first meet him, like we said, he's being sort of he's like under Eddie Coyle. Like Eddie Coyle totally has the upper mm-hmm. hand in that situation. But then when he see we see him dealing with the the guys in Rhode Island, I think it was Rhode Island. The guys in Rhode Island, he's buying weapons from. Yeah, he completely commands that situation. Yeah, like and he and, smells yeah. the trap and. Really, he smells a lot of traps. Yeah, he's, he's only barely caught. He's really mm-hmm. smart. He's a really smart criminal, yeah. and it's it's just trusting Eddie that's kind of what gets him in trouble, really, right? Like otherwise, yeah. he would he would he would have been fine. Um, yeah, so, well, it's, it's kind of interesting because I mean, you know, it's like at the end of the movie, it's like yeah, Eddie gets completely screwed over, but he just completely screwed over this guy yeah. <laughs> in the exact same way, basically. And he was going to completely screw over what's his name, Scalise? Was that the uh, the bank yeah, robber? Yeah, exactly. He, he was he, ready. To... Yeah, he did it too late, but he basically made the decision to do it. So exactly. Know. Yeah. And, and also, one of the other thing I'm wondering about, it's not. It wasn't that long of a sentence. It was three to five years, right? That was the. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they were putting him away for 20 years or 30 years. He he had 
a strong possibility of getting back into to society after after serving his time and maybe even having a shorter sentence you know so yeah but i, I you know like you said he, he's gone to jail before and he just can't do it again he just kind of reached this point where it's yeah. like no like i said with the kids too i mean you see the age of his children i mean it's uh <laughs> it's uh missing it's being gone from kids for that long at that age but it's it's yeah. also interesting because like it taps into the whole boston thing of not being a rat not being a snitch and he's being like a mm-hmm. stand-up guy and he does all that but then he just totally backtracks on it throughout, throughout yeah. the rest that's what the movie is about is him basically backtracking on having not ratted out anybody right and so yeah uh and it and it's and it, and i think that's kind of why it works because he's it's kind of it's like you said it's like this slow boil where it's just like it's kind of like him slowly unraveling over the course yeah of the movie. well and it's interesting too he gets killed for being a rat but he didn't actually do yeah. that one it's like he got he ratted someone out then got killed for ratting out someone else yeah. that he failed to rat out so well he got killed by the rat that yeah, that, that was that ratted out i mean because dylan was the guy who gave up scalise right that's because because yeah. because remember he came that's in there and he's true. like oh somebody set him up you know yeah and then peter boyle also, did a how- really good jo- oh go ahead how did those banks not compare notes? That was the third bank in the same area they were hitting in the same way. Remember, like, I, I can tell you before the internet coordination between uh, branches yeah. of businesses was non-existent. Wow, <laughs> I mean, it's dude. Just, I, yeah, I, I no, it's more I could say off the air. But uh. also, also that the second robbery, that guy's like, look, I've this has happened to me four times already. Like, you know, just do yeah. what they say, you know. And there's that one guy that like. I don't know. He just doesn't. He he, he pushes the button like yeah. an idiot. Yeah, and he doesn't the yeah. most obvious way. That guy is the worst poker face. I, I I was really curious what was going through that guy's head because obviously it panned out completely differently than he was picturing it panning out in his head. And I was yeah. I was like, what was he imagining was going to happen here? Well, there's a guy pointing a gun at you, and you 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 press the button. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, you know. I also like how pressing the button that's hidden under your desk is such a trope that uh, <laughs> that they knew about it in the early seventies. Like <laughs> a movie, like a movie knew to tell the bank robbers to make make sure they don't do that. It's just like, God, it's so tired. It's like no, no one, everyone knows it's not hidden. Come on. Well, it, you know, but but also I I I, I uh, yeah I don't know. With, oh, with the Peter Boyle character, I thought he just did a really good job of, I don't know, he had, there was a sneakiness in his eyes that I really liked mm-hmm. in the movie. It was like Peter this. Peter Boyle, Boyle is just brilliant. Yeah. I, I mean, he is just such a good actor in anything he's done. It was like, it was childlike. It was like this childlike uh-huh. quality that where he's like, yeah. he's like, I haven't done anything wrong. You know, like, like you know, it, 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 he but has there a complete was... lack of any guilt. You know, it's like Coyle is at least carrying around some guilt yeah. about what he's doing and he's agonized. It's like Dylan is just, ah, I just sell people yeah. out. He doesn't. He just tells us, like the, the scene where he's been talking to Coyle and he gets the phone call and he's back there. Oh, can you believe it? He's over here talking about how bad he feels for these yeah. bank robbers and it makes me so angry. And it's just, it's just so fake. So I feel like he, he's the type of guy who believes his own lies. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, cause there's even that scene where he's talking with the guy, the, the ATF agent or whatever he is, David Foley. And, uh, yeah. and he says, um, 
He says, hey, I got a liquor license. I can't be going and doing this. He's like, no, you work yeah. for a guy who has a liquor license <laughs> that you never see. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forget these things. I work for a guy who has a liquor license. That's what I was saying. And it's like, he's, he's, I just feel like he just is so he's telling so many lies that he's just believing them all. Do you know what I mean? He's like, he says, well, yeah, you have those people where they just don't even care about truth anymore. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, um, that's but uh, I'm just a note on relocating. So I go quiet a second. But uh, but yeah. And so um, uh, I don't know. Any other characters we want to discuss before we get into other topics? Or are we are we good on the uh, the character thing? We haven't talked about Alex Rocco's uh, Jimmy Scalise character that much. And who else? Do we, and we haven't talked about the ATF agent, um, uh, David Foley, except peripherally. Hello? Oh, I'm not getting audio all of a sudden. Are you, are you hearing oh. me? No, I, no, I, I, can, I can hear I Adam. I can hear Joel either. I think we lost Joel's audio. Oh. Oh, no, I'm muted. Like oh, okay. All right. Okay. Dear Lord. So, so uh, you were trying to say something, though, Joel, right? And Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying that uh, the ATF agent, like, that guy is only not a criminal because he's been legitimized by a higher authority. Because um, he's such a slime ball. Like he's constantly yeah. betraying Eddie Coyle and like stringing him along and clearly just ringing the guy out for all he's worth. He has a criminal face too. Like they picked the right actor because when when the, well, when when they first introduce him, I thought he was another criminal. You know, I mean, obviously well, the location like a, suggests that they that he would be uh, a you know a meeting with somebody like that instead of a, a criminal. But like I was saying, oh, maybe this guy's like another criminal, and you know, it took me a little bit to realize he was. He was law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he looks a lot like the gun dealer, too. Uh, I was messing yeah. him up for the first part of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that was intentional. Yeah, because he's got longish hair as well. So Yeah, yeah the movie's definitely, definitely interested in the thin line between these, you know, this policeman working with criminals all the time versus uh, the actual criminals. And, I mean, I, I think it's that with the final story at the end where Peter Boyle's talking to him. I feel that's kind of... Uh, going I, along with that line as well i would really like to do black mass at some point because i think like that would be a very i haven't seen that yet oh that's so an interesting i'd yeah. love to do that that's uh i i read the book actually when it came out um that i i, I we, we can get into that later but like that that whole idea of the thin line between you know the the law enforcement agent that's handling the informants and and becoming a criminal yourself that's uh, um uh I don't know. That's an interesting one. Adam, are you still there? It looks like we lost Adam, so it'll just be me and Joel. Oh no, we're down on Adam. Well, 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 Adam, I'm sure we'll we'll return eventually. Tragic. Uh, um, yeah. I, oh man. I'm back. Ah, oh, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Adam will return. Here I am. <laughs> You're just a disembodied voice right now, Adam. I can see. I am. Oh, okay. Let me see. Super high resolution face. I, I oh, cannot. Can you see me now? I can't, but that, I'll I'll just listen. I'll just listen to to your golden tones here. Um, oh, hang on. Wait, were you seeing anything or no? But it might be more on my end than your end, so I don't think it's worth fidgeting over. This is all uh, gold. Keep it yeah. in. So well, we don't edit, so it's in. There's nothing. There's you know, nothing. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, Joel. What were you saying? 
Oh my god. I, I there's a lot that this movie says about the legitimacy or lack thereof of police procedure. I like to point out especially the scene in which um a gun dealer is dealing guns to the two hippies that want to rob a bank. And they keep like, like the law enforcement is clearly bungling the situation and they're like, "Okay, this guy's smarter than we thought he was." So they have this elaborate sting set up and they they're barely like hanging on by their toenails yeah. to getting him. And they let both of those people get away. So there's this totally two violent criminals yeah. who are only a few machine guns away from more bank robberies that they yeah. didn't get. Yeah, they and were they like a one guy. They were like a hippie Bonnie and Clyde deck. That couple was really interesting. I, I liked, uh-huh. I liked, I liked that that addition to the to the film, and I and, and I liked that they kind of got away, and you you're able to imagine what's going to happen in the future with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's super. In, it's not only super ineffective, like it's all built off of the sleaze of the one cop who's just manipulating the hell out of Eddie Coyle and in no way giving him anything. Like yeah. he doesn't give him any help at all. Not even. The and I don't think, amount. I don't think he would have, even if Eddie had done all the things, I think he would have done the same thing to him where he's like, Oh, yeah. look, I talked to him. And you know, the guy, you know, he says, you know, you, you really need to be doing more for uncle. You know, like, I just feel like the he was just, le- I feel like, he was just leading Eddie on, and Eddie was just not smart enough to realize that. Like he should, he should have been, he should have been like, "Look, give me something in writing, right?" Like he should have, he should have said, "I can do this for you, but give me something in writing. Give me something clear, so that I know that I'm going to be protected." And he wasn't doing any of that, and and he's exposing himself to tremendous risk, which we see by the end of the movie. Um, oh yeah, so, and the cop he's definitely doesn't care about him. The cop at the end of the film, the co- that last conversation at the end of the movie, the cop has. He's not concerned about finding out who killed Eddie Coyle at all. No, 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 he doesn't care. But yeah, I mean, it's an well, interesting thing about this movie, too, is that even even if Eddie had done everything right, he still probably would have been killed anyway, because the reason he got killed was just because Dylan set him up to yeah. take the fall. And it's like so it's like if he, you know, basically because he never did, you know, no, they, those guys don't care about the gun dealer. No one who arranges for his death even knows the gun dealer exists for yeah. all I know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. But it's like he's basically doomed from the beginning of the movie and every choice is just just headed that path. Whatever, whatever he does. What's interesting is I feel like if this were made today then it wouldn't have played like, cause it, it plays out. It's this long drawn out. Eddie Coyle is going to get killed by this guy while they're in a hockey game thing. And yeah. I, the whole scene, I'm thinking, well, maybe Eddie's onto them and he's going to poison those beers <laughs> that he's giving them. That's going to be the big, uh-huh. cause I'm expecting this sort of like emotionally surprising. Yeah. yeah. Well, well like the surprising thing that's going to happen. That'll, un, you know, uh, yeah, it's a modern audience perspective. Yeah. Any modern movie would have put a twist in there. Yeah. This but, movie just deliberately plops it down and says, this is the mundane, depressing, the pathetic reality. And I loved that. I love that the movie was over. We knew everything that was going to yeah. happen. And the movie's like, but you're going to sit down and you're going <laughs> to watch this pathetic guy get shot in the neck by his friend when he's well, asleep from beer and too much hockey. In his yeah. car From all, after all the, the game. alcohol he drank all day because he was despondent because he tried to sell out his friend too late. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I like and that it's this inevitable bullet waiting for you. Know what I mean, it's just like you, it, it, there's something very, I don't know, very pessimistic yeah. about the ending. It is. It's yeah. pessimistic and it's just miserable. And it's, it's, you're right. It's completely inevitable. And then when it happens, 
it's not like exciting. You're not yeah. like, <gasps> like and, you're just like, okay, get it over with. This is like shooting a horse that's been dying for a long time. But but also you kind of admire Eddie Coyle because he just sort of he just gets drunk, goes to a hockey game, he falls asleep, <laughs> and he gets shot in the head while he's sleeping. It's not like a, it's it's there's it's not super dramatic. It's not, no. it's not, you know, there's no, there's, he doesn't have a care in the world when he gets shot, you know, there's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's something that feeds into something that was great about Tarantino's when they came along. It's like, you can have people be shot in a scene and it doesn't have to be an action scene. It's just, boom, someone suddenly shot yeah. and they're dead. And that's it. Yeah. It's not an action scene. It's just, it's a murder. It happens and it's done. <laughs> yeah yeah that is that is that kind of scene it definitely is and yeah it, and it's similar in that it happens in a car to like you know, what happened in pulp fiction yeah um yeah but uh uh you know there were a couple of those scenes in pulp fiction but i'm thinking of the one with um john travolta where, where yeah to, yeah almost know. almost every death in pulp fiction was kind of matter of fact and a little bit pathetic yeah. <laughs> that i'm thinking about pulp fiction well my yeah, favorite like, one uh, is when samuel L. jackson shoots the guy in the couch that was the uh Huh. That that was that that had the the best uh, rhythm and quip to it. Yeah, that was it was oh, very God. funny. Sam completely dominates that yeah. scene too. Yeah. Holy crap, that's a good scene. Yeah. Um, but th- this but this was a really interesting ending. And and at first I was kind of resistant to it. I was just happy. I was thinking, no, he needs to he needs to stop this from happening. You know, like well, he, he wants needs... some kind of justice yeah. for Eddie, even though he's a bit of a think. He he's a likable character. You know, he's a family man. Well, yeah, I mean, he's like I said, he doesn't even know any world outside of this organized crime that he's in. It's like he, he doesn't know how to function out of it. It's like it, the idea, you know, I mean, the cop kind of has that conversation. It's like, you've made all these choices. The only one passing you up is you. And it's like, yeah, it's like he, this, the, him going straight or anything just isn't a possibility in his mind. He just he's, 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 he's kind of stuck there. And it's just this quick death where it's just i mean death is just like i don't know it 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 it, it isn't dealt with in a weighty way it's just like no death happens no. do you know what i mean it's that kind of a thing where it's like yep that, that, yeah that's 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 how life works you die sometimes and eddie Coyle gets killed and and the world yeah, is clearly moving play, on you know what i mean that's, it doesn't it doesn't try and play it for any additional tragedy like we don't we don't cut to his wife getting the yeah. news or anything it's like that that's, yeah the movie that's has no interest in the fallout um, no. and you, you know she's Irish she she cried her eyes out like that had to oh, be yeah. terribly tragic but like the movie treats it as a matter of fact thing like yeah that's just this world yeah well it just it just cuts the the, the last scene is is just to show us how disinterested people are in his in the details of his death you know there's a, yeah it's, it's not it's not significant to them after that you know um you which know, that, also goes back to why the cop you know you're saying the cop was never gonna help him it's like Eddie just no, the cop doesn't even really care about him much. It's like, yeah, I guess that gun dealer, but he's not—he's not interested in him as a long-term. You know, I mean, if, if he thought he actually had any long-term value, yeah, he'd be protecting him. But no, no. Yeah, there's no he's benefit happy to the cop. He gets this so. little this little nugget from him that lets him get one more bust. Well, basically, everyone uses Eddie for that. Yeah, he's a yeah. nugget that gets one more bust. He's a nugget that gets the heat off the guy that actually sold out Scalise. You know. Yeah. Uh, he that's that's his life he's other people use him as a tool and then eventually when he's only useful they just discard him it's yeah. it's sad and it's pathetic and i love it i love that that's what this movie is about so um so one thing i want to talk about too is the boston stuff because it's obvious yeah yeah get into the boston uh, stuff boston so 
so Adam, you had mentioned Whitey Bulger, and I did take a time to sort of look at. Uh, uh, yeah, the, I'm not sure on that. I just have uh, a vague recollection. So in in the Wikipedia entry, at least, it does say that uh, Mitchum was trying. He wanted to meet Whitey Bulger as part of his research, okay, that's, but some yeah, that's but right. some guy from the Herald was like, "No, you don't want to do that." So, which is probably wise. Uh, so they they introduced him to to Howie Winter of the Winter Hill Gang instead. Um, and the guy who introduced him, star, if there was any movie star who'd be okay with meeting Whitey Bulger and, and, and not being having a problem, would be a, it would probably be Mitchum, but still. Well, and here's the interesting thing: Alex Rocco, who apparently grew up in Somerville, which I didn't know, is uh, the person who introduced him to Howie Winter. Um, oh, okay. Uh, you know, so that that that's pretty interesting, I think. Um, uh, so so my thoughts on the boss thing: number one, this is. This movie's set in the South Shore. I'm on the North Shore. The South Shore is like Shelbyville to me. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the complete yeah. opposite end of the earth. I've never taken you to the South Shore, Adam, when you've come here. Um, and you never will. I never will. I don't. I, I never go there. Like the first, <laughs> I, I I've gone to Quincy. That's about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, uh, but what I liked about it was it wasn't like like. Okay, I saw The Departed again not too long ago. And one of the things I was trying to look for when I watched it this time was the Boston stuff. And one of the things I noticed was it was kind of done almost like a... And maybe this is me projecting bias onto Scorsese, but I felt like it was Boston through the lens of a New Yorker. Do you know what I mean? Where it was almost like he was trying to make it look like New York. He was finding the things that you would find exciting if you were doing a movie about New York. But like Bostonians don't care about Boston. We go out of our way to avoid... (laughs) being in boston do you know what i mean well and yeah it's like it, when you live in chicago you don't spend all your time in the loop yeah it's... And, <laughs> so this is like no we're at a bank like we're not in boston we're like in i don't know where it was but it's like yeah. it's, it's like a s- suburb or like an area just outside of boston and and it's it's all fi- it, like like the basic distinction is can you park or not right like they're they're in a place where there's parking uh-huh. do you know what i mean uh-huh. and so therefore it's a place that's comfortable and easy to drive around and easy to do things in versus being in boston being super stressed so i i yeah. like that it was sort of focused on those kind of things i also like that it was just really it was giving us mundane sort of shots of the the less clean parts of boston do you know what i mean it just it just it looks, yeah. As someone that visits the city regularly, I was just like, yeah, this just feels like boring ass parts of Boston. You just drive through on the way to someone's house, and but, that was that was all it was showing. Like, and it felt it felt authentic to me. But know, well, because though the boring ass stuff is this those that's where I spend where most of my time. I spend exactly. I spend ninety percent of my time in the boring places. So like in the scene yeah, where they the get to the malls. Well, like when they go to the bank <laughs> parking lot and there's that wooden fence and like they're really focusing uh-huh. on the car. Like I've been in so many parking lots like that where I just had to stare at a fence for thirty minutes waiting for something. You know what I mean? It's just like that kind yeah. of thing. Where I was like, that's an authentic Boston fence with like the red brick bank house and like all the like that all yeah. looks real and legit. You know what I mean? And nah, it is funny how places have like things like there's things you like, like this type of fence, like there's a certain type of fence I only see in Sydney. And it's like anytime I see that fence anywhere else, I'm like, oh, my God, it's a Sydney fence. What's what's going on here? But, yeah, uh, they they got all that 100 percent. They got. Yeah, I don't know that they, they got the right the right mixture of types of places in it. Like it was just yeah. I, I don't know how to put it, but it's just like you, you like, OK, 
here's the shot of the rich guy's house. Here's the shot of like the blue collar guy's house. Here's the shot of the criminal who's got a lot of money, but he's living in like a shitty place because he doesn't want people to know he has a lot of money type of thing. It just, I felt like I got a really nice cross section of residences and areas. And, and there were shots of like a few key places in Boston. Like I think they did city hall plaza and things like that. There was, you know, there was a couple of subway shots and things, you know, uh, like some like some of the the t the t uh entrances on the surface and yep. but for the most part they weren't overwhelming you with that stuff it wasn't like it wasn't like some movie set in new york where they show you times square because it's new york and they want you to know that you're in new york do you know what i mean they didn't well, they didn't do that they, they did do the flyover like at the beginning and the end and, uh, yeah yeah, no, no, they, they did a flyover at the very beginning. And yeah, they did a fly out at the very end. Yeah, you and saw I the skyline. Like was, you saw the skyline, right? The, well, it was, was almost it? like getting on a plane and going to Boston and just chilling out with your friends and going to their haunts, seeing a mm-hmm. hockey game, and leaving on the same plane. Like that's what it mm-hmm. felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did like that they did like like the they did like the Boston Garden with the hockey. I think, and I'm not a big sports guy, so I you know, but that has a more I don't know that look. I thought that. That that was an interesting choice for the final for the final scene, right? Like it just it just worked better than if they had done like Fenway Park or something, you know, something something like that. You know, I, I feel like a Red Sox game wouldn't have. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been the same. The, yeah. It needed no. to be the hockey game. Yeah. There was almost something kind of like gladiatorial arena about it because it was inside, um, and there was concrete everywhere. And it just, I don't know, maybe that's a normal-sized hockey rink. It looked really small from where they were sitting. Maybe well, that's the no. most often. I mean, Boston experience. Garden was always kind of a crappy thing, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly the gladiatorial thing. I mean, as far as artistic flourishes, it did feel like there was some juxtaposition between the violence of the game and just the threat of them killing him. I kind of felt like there was some juxtaposition going on there. But. Uh, it also yeah, seemed I, I, very I, much like a hockey game, though. But it was it was interesting. I mean, it, it was kind of cool having that scene too, because you know, like being like a Bobby Orr game. It's like he, even someone that plays no attention to, to hockey at all. It's like that's still like, oh wow, that's that's a name I actually recognize from hockey. So uh, felt like it kind of captured something interesting there. No, and I did I did like the violence going. Like, you know, it it is like a more like Joel was saying. It's a more. Uh, uh, combat oriented sport, you know, and we got to see yeah. some of that in it. And so that kind of, I don't know, that added something to the scene. And, uh, uh, and also like, I feel like I, I don't know. I meet a lot of people that did hockey growing up. I never did hockey. I, I, I know nothing about hockey, but I'll always be surprised. Like I'll, I'll, I'll have a friend who like, I don't think of as like a, as like a person that would play hockey. Cause I imagine them being like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a really rough, rough sport. Uh, but a lot of people, ended up playing hockey that surprised me. So I feel like it's a, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a very, it's a very sort of Boston uh, type sport. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, 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 it's a Celtics game or a Red Sox game would have been two on the nose, but a Bruins game is a little bit more, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a nice choice. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's like, and it's another one of those things that has that kind of boots on the ground vibe that this movie did really well. Or like you're not showing off Boston, you're really kind of just on a walking tour of what you'd really see if you went over to visit a friend in Boston. There's some yeah. it, it adds to that authentic feel. So yeah, that was really nifty. And again, I think it contributed to the fact that my friends were falling asleep and bored to tears <laughs> because 
if you go to like almost every place is like that. Like you see like the the glamour shots in movies, and yeah. you go there, and it's just like like you said, you're staring at a fence, waiting in well, line somewhere. I've always liked to do it that like because my feeling is if you go into a place and you go to all the sites, you don't actually see the place. Like I went to like I haven't really visited that many places, but I went to Venice once for a week, and I had mm. the option of doing a tour of Italy or going doing a tour of Venice or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm just going to go to a hotel and I'm going to hang out for a week in Venice. And I'm going to go to like, like little coffee shops and churches and, you know, catch like little, you know, performers, like, you know, like musicians at the like. Yeah. People shops. outside of Venice know the name of the place. I'm going to avoid it. Yeah. And, and, and that was I thought that was like a more interesting experience. And I think uh, I think that's what this movie is like. It's 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 you're seeing it more like from a person who lives here than from. Okay, we're gonna go to Faneuil Hall, and then we're gonna go to like the Freedom Trail, and we're gonna go to like all the yeah. places that you need to go in Boston to 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 say that you've been here, and you know, and they did show places, but a lot of the places I was like, it wasn't even like the they didn't like when they were like I think at one point they might have been in Boston Commons, and it wasn't even completely clear to me that they were in Boston Commons because they didn't give it like the full. Do you know what I mean? They they didn't capitalize yeah. on the fact that that and i don't know if that's where they work so i was a little bit uh i was i was really focused on the conversation sign out front and uh, doing an establishing shot and all that yeah um, well yeah. boston comments and no one actually wrote anything witty about it in the dialogue there's so much shit like that in movies nowadays yeah and i think it's because tarantino did it so skillfully that no one does it skillfully now but everyone does do it now where someone will put that self-aware we are now in boston commons they they shot this very famous movie scene here thing that they are saying in their dialogue in the stilted completely insanely unnatural way god i get sick of that shit and i love in this movie you don't even know if that's where they are we sincerely don't know no and, that's where they were and that's where the south shore thing really threw me off a lot because at one point i was like wait are they wait, near revere Be- south shore yeah they're on the south shore of boston in this movie yeah but the way you said it was the most boston way of everyone anybody say it. what did south i say shore. no i didn't i said south shore yes you did adam back me up uh, I'm not. I mean, this was recorded, so was, we can. Check. It was one word. It was Sauschua. Oh God, folks, back up and listen to him say it. It's beautiful. Well, about the accent, because I I was talking to you guys about this before the podcast. I was actually thinking of getting a line of the dialogue from the coffee house and having my mom read it, and then doing a clip of the guy <laughs> do it, because I wanted to show you guys the difference between a real, authentic Boston accent and someone doing one th- now. I thought that Mitchum did a great job. Every, most of the people did great jobs. The the accents, even if they, where they weren't perfect, like the, the sounds of the voice were really good. They just felt like authentic Bostonians somehow. But where I really saw it is I think at one point Mitchum said personal and he tried to drop the R on personal or whatever the word was with the ER. And it really stuck out. I was like, oh, I don't think that. That's that's because when I first saw him, I was like, oh, is Mitchum from Boston? Because he kind of had the voice and he seemed to be doing it. And then he says personal. I'm like, oh, no, I don't think he's from Boston. Like that definitely sounds like yeah. somebody putting on an accent. Um, and but for the most part, I thought the accents were fine. It's a hard accent to do. Um, but but I did want to I did want to make that point that the R is not something that is always dropped. It's It's only dropped for certain words usually words that end in an R with like an A before the R or something. Do you know what I mean? And there are times when it's, it's, there's a lot more nuance with, with the R dropping. Um, and I think that's when you can really tell. And also just the, like, it's not just dropping your R. There's other vowels that are pronounced differently. Um, 
but but overall i thought the this was this i mean i i i've heard that it's the most authentic boston crime movie and i've seen i think all the other boston crime movies and this one is i mean this is i i need to watch gone baby gone again because i've always felt that even though that one's kind of a heightened reality movie that one always felt pretty authentic to me in a lot of ways. Um, I haven't seen that actually. I, I mean, I haven't seen it in ages, but I always felt like it was. Um, it, it's a it, again, it's heightened reality, so so it's not as gritty and ground level as this movie. And there's stuff in there mm. that I, you know, is is sort of made up to make it interesting. But yeah, well, not many movies are as grounded as this. Yeah. A lot, there's plenty of grounded movies that aren't as grounded as this movie. That's for sure. But that one, that one always felt like you know of all like of all the boston movies set in boston to me that was the one that kind of felt the most uh, authentic um yeah uh but but i don't know i i i feel like this is definitely probably the most authentic. like i have to agree with that consensus just you know watching mm-hmm. this movie um also this is a movie i really want to see again like one of my one of my regrets yeah. this week is that i didn't have time to watch it twice because i really felt that I number one, I wanted to see the movie again, but it would really benefit from two or three viewings. We, I'd get a much better sense of the because the, there seems to be a lot of nuance in this storyline. Um, There's lots of subtle things going on in the background, definitely, or people are kind of talking. You know, things that aren't even especially plot relevant, but it because it's almost like there are multiple stories going. You could make a movie about the bank robbers, you could make a movie about the cops, you could make a movie about the gun dealers. Kind of all these, they always said those those hippie characters. I mean, there's there's a lot going on here in yeah. this movie. Well, it's just den- th- this movie is really dense, almost to the point of being impenetrable, because there is so much going on, and there is such a yeah. enormity of like really small and extremely subtle details, and none of them, almost nothing in this movie draws attention to itself. There's almost no spectacle to this at all. It's it's no. so, and it's not monotone. It's just like these deep, somber, subtle tones. It's it's a dirge of a movie, and it's a really dense thick dirge yeah definitely it, it bears repeat viewings because like things don't stick out to you the first time you watch it things like you know you're still doing writing that little yeah. scene that that little yeah. that little moment in that scene that tells you so much about these characters without really even having to say anything at all it's like this yeah. guy's a failed artist and now he's addicted to drugs and he's kind of falling into this life of crime out of desperation that guy's in one scene in this movie for like less than five minutes yeah. and you feel like you've read a novel about him yeah the whole movies yeah. like that it's really something yeah well, it's it's interesting because i mean compare it to a movie that's stylistically nothing like it miller's crossing <laughs> is also similar where there's just so much going on in miller's yeah. Cro- every i I've, I've watched that movie since it came out in the theater and every now and then I'm like, Oh, I find some little, some <laughs> little detail in there. I mean, that's a much more cinematic over the top yeah. movie, but there is a real dramatic groundedness to it. That would be another good one to do. Um, I would love to do that. One. That was, I was, I was on the fence when I made my proposal. Like, oh, I want to recommend that or Miller's crossing. Those were my two top folks. I've, I've heard good things about Miller's crossing. Oh, so you haven't might, seen Miller's crossing? I haven't seen Miller's crossing. If, if not, well, I don't, we must review that one. That yeah. Is, I, that is an amazing movie. The crime movies I have seen that made me fall in love with the genre, obviously Godfather was the first yeah. one. It's it's gigantic. I saw Godfather and Godfather part two. I only kind of watched a little bit of Godfather part three. I don't, I've seen the whole thing. It's not really anything to write yeah, home it about. Yeah, it seemed a little. 
weird. Yeah. Uh, the first, the first. Do one you want to know what happens at the end? Do you want to know what the ending sure. is? Like, yeah, what's uh, the ending of Doc um, Part Three? His daughter dies. She gets caught in the crossfire, and oh, and okay. and it would have been really dramatic if they had had Winona Ryder in it instead of what was it, <laughs> Sofia Coppola. But uh, you know, history is written and is not going to change. So. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, oh, man, they got the Winona Ryder lined up for it. That's she was sucks. supposed to play deep that fake. character. Deep, deep fake Winona for for Godfather Part Three. That's gonna be a wow. Well, yeah, she would have really, She would have been great. It, it would have been much um, better. It would because like her, the, Sophia Coppola is a great director, but you know that movie oh, yeah. does not benefit from her presence in it. And um, and yeah. also it's not a really well. It's it just doesn't match the the, the first two movies. Number one, the one of the reasons why Part Two is so good is because the original book that The Godfather was was based on, which I think was probably written for the movie before it came out. Like, I think it was one of it those. Was. I think it was one yeah. of those type of things. But that book had the storyline for uh, for the Marlon Brando character, for Vito, uh, mm-hmm. in his, you know, th- that whole flashback stuff. Yeah, that was all Vito's, of the, oh, Vito's that? backstory was really, really good. Yeah, and that was like, in the original kinda, book. So I think... It's hella good. Too. I, so it, I feel like that's one of the things that really made part one and two work. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. they So, and part three was just like, I don't know. I it felt like another I think, different I think, movie. I, I've forgotten when part three came out, but it feels like there was a longer gap too. And you had that longer gap yeah. between a movie and its sequel. You often, it's, it's really hard to get the it's, same. It's, it's, it's just kind of going, coming back for the paycheck when you got the, that long. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, I've seen, I've seen yeah. those two movies and I really liked those. I saw Goodfellas, which blew me away. That's my and favorite. I saw, That's my favorite movie. Hands down. I saw Casino. Casino was really good. Uh, let me mm-hmm. see. It's good that whole list Brandon put together is good. There's nothing on there I wouldn't want to watch again. So I, you know, let me see. What, what that is list. the one? Casino was really good too. I want to say was was Goodfellas the one with the guy who was like, and I'm not going to narrow this down. Who was doing? Who was uh, selling all the cocaine? And then at the very end of the movie, he uh, he goes in the witness protection program. Is that? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Because I'm I'm bleeding together with Casino in my head, which was very I mean he was he, had a he, lot of similarities. He wasn't all, the throughout the movie he's not selling cocaine, but by the end that's one of the things he's doing, and that's what he gets. Yeah, he's constantly because yeah. as I recall, because I also saw a movie when I was a kid uh, called My Blue Heaven, which that's based I, on the I, same I material, later, right? Which is yes. the same dude. Like yeah. that's the that's the sequel. That, to that's Goodfellas, what we should do. We should do oh. a Goodfellas My Blue Heaven duo. Oh, yeah. Yes. Great, uh, idea. Yeah, it, great idea they're 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 both based on i guess what happened was uh henry hill had written or had done wise guys with nicholas pelleggi i'm not sure how you pronounce his last name mm-hmm. and one day he called and nicholas pelleggi's wife answered the phone and was talking to henry i think and got mm-hmm. a lot of I, this is a story i heard i don't know if it's true but i heard that that she was also getting information from henry and she wrote my blue heaven based on it i, I don't I, I don't know wow. how accurate that is, but it's definitely based on like the same source. And it's so funny that you have like a movie with Steve Martin based on it versus this. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, it's it's just like a you know one so serious the weird and one thing so is they're silly. both such good movies in yeah. their own way too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, interesting and unexpected sequels and Goodfellas and My Blue Heaven. Yeah, I've not watched any Steve Martin movies in a while, so that uh... Steve Martin what is he's tragedy. yeah Steve Martin's probably one of my favorite actors to watch yeah you know uh, yeah. he's a uh, he's a watchable dude that steve martin so um so i'm sorry but you were saying that uh so you'd seen goodfellas and yeah what? i think 
I think that's it, though. I don't have, like, the most amazing education when it comes to crime okay. movies. So this is one of the ones that's kind of out, like, way off the beaten path. Okay, okay. And I got to tell you, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it because it doesn't necessarily, like, when you watch The Godfather, it's clear you're watching a work of art. There's something yeah. almost classical about the way it's constructed. And, mm -hmm. like, there's really powerfully character-driven performances in Goodfellas and Casino, mm -hmm. um, right? But, like, this movie had something different. You know, it was just as it had that same kind of world and the same sort of characters, but it, it had this this wonderful morose realism about yeah. it uh, that was incredibly interesting to watch. And I say incredibly interesting in that it did everything it could to smack any attention I could have given it away and say, no, you have to try harder to enjoy yes. this. Yeah, this, this was the yes. dark amber brew of of uh, crime movies. So I was like, yeah. oh god, it's like tasting, it's like drinking water from an old reservoir filtered through an older sock. Well, but then you start getting the nuance, and you're like, actually, give me another one of those. Well, I don't know. I, I'm a little confused by that analogy, but I, 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 I <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I, I think it's definitely you. You have to pay attention to the dialogue. The dialogue is not always easy to pay attention to because it's, I don't know, it's it's it's. It's uh, it's very. Oh, oh no! I got, it, I got it. Okay, so, so the Godfather is a rich, uh, well-aged red wine. Uh -huh. uh, Goodfellas and yeah. uh, Casino, those are mixed drinks like cocktails. They're okay. they're really really good. This was an incredibly old aged like bourbon or whiskey. Okay. Uh, so much mm. so that it almost feels like getting punched in the mouth when you get it. And but then yeah. when it, you, you, it's like sort of a rusty nail. Well, and bourbon yeah, straight like was his drink, right? That's what he drank when he yep. went for his meetings, straight bourbon. Th this movie is bourbon straight. It's yeah. old bourbon. Yeah. It's like, you know, hickory <laughs> cask aged. So you, you need to work to enjoy this movie, but you will enjoy it if you get yeah. the, get the taste for it. Okay, that's a fair. Now that, that that's much better. I'm much more happy with that. that I, had a, right I had to workshop yeah. it in real time, but I think that evolved really rapidly. Yeah, well, I was just thinking, like, well, at what point could you start tasting the nuances of sock water? What's the? Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> sock water so delicious. You guys don't know. Uh, you ever find yeah, your sock water palate? Us, us. You, huh? Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah. So I I don't know. I I um. I really did enjoy this movie, Adam. I, I I I had a wonderful time watching it, and the and again the Boston stuff was, I I, I really loved it. I, you know what it's like? It's like when you first wake up in the morning in a place and go to the side of the road to like get the garbage. It's like that level of reality is what you. That's the that's the authenticity that you're getting with this movie. Is like the walk to the walk to your trash on garbage day, which there's a scene yeah. of in the film. Um, but it's it just really it's like yeah those. Those shrubs are all a hundred percent right for that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. it's uh. like it's like you know in Chicago, for example, almost every block has this out back alley cutting through the middle of the block, which is this thing which is so Chicago that you never see it in a Chicago yeah. movie. And it's just anytime you do actually see it in the movie, you're like, wow, that's that's where I actually live. <laughs> and <laughs> they've actually been to Chicago. It's not just Ontario again. They, they, they didn't get they didn't rent the same stock footage for the shot, like you say, and shoot the rest in Toronto. But, uh, yep. And again, yeah. the, the South Shore thing did throw me because South Shore and North Shore are like mirror images of each other's off either side of Boston. And so when they were by the water. I was like, oh, I think yeah. that's Revere Beach for a little bit. I'm like, oh no, that's got to be something on the South Shore. That can't be Revere Beach. Yeah. Where the... So uh, it's just I found that part a little disorienting, but only because you know it's on the opposite end of where I am, which 
I think again speaks to kind of you know it, it definitely I mean, was familiar. Mirror, the mirror boss. Yeah, but it was familiar enough that it was like, yeah, that's you know. <laughs> that's like the old version of you over there with the mustache. <laughs> yeah, there's the, there's the South Shore version of Brendan with a with a, with you know the evil Gucci version of me. Um, yeah. So he's a YouTube content creator. <laughs> yeah. he makes video games. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, but but yeah, I, I like the movie a lot. Um, and uh. And I thought the performances were tremendous. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it was... every the cast in this is so good. Like I think Peter Boyle and Mitchum are just both both actors I could just watch in anything. I mean, they're just oh, and and this good. this would have been an easy movie to like. You almost want to eviscerate it because of the pacing. Do you know what I mean it's like you want like like it would be? <sighs> yeah, I could. I you a could lot just of critical complaints yeah. about the pacing when this but, came out, but it's like. Oh, but it works. So it, it, it it does. You'll be just as bored as if you actually went to Boston. Well, it just wins you <laughs> over by the end. It's like once you settle in, it just works. It, I don't know how to put it. It's just, well, it's, it's, it's kind like of a hangout movie in that respect, I guess. Yeah, it's it's once you start caring about things that are happening, you start yeah. paying attention. Like it can be a little hard during that initial bank robbery scene because you're not quite sure who the characters yeah. are. That that's probably the hardest part of the movie to get. But even on the second yeah. viewing. You already care, so you're already into that scene. But, and that bank yeah. robbery scene did feel like the most stylized scene to me, with like the guys all wearing yeah. the same mask, and there's a bunch of yeah. shots of them all looking in the same direction. Do you know what I mean? And things yeah. just kind of like, uh, yeah. But because uh, I remember when when you first mentioned, it, I went and looked at the trailer, and the only thing in the trailer really. For the most part, there are other scenes, but they really emphasize that first bank robbery, oh, and it okay. makes I've it look the trailer. well. It makes it look like a highly stylized film. Do you know what I mean? That's oh, almost okay. got this weird comedic edge to it, and the real movie's nothing like the trailer at all. So, uh-huh. um, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. the trailer knew how to sell the movie because like, I watched Isn't that be too. A hard movie to sell. Wasn't like, it a weird so, trailer, Joel? Would like, did you? It was get the... weird. It was like they only know this world of crime and everything really sucks. And like that's as close as they can get to a selling point. They're just yeah. like <laughs> it's sleazy, I guess. You guys like sleaze, right? Yeah. <laughs> This is back before studios had their act. I, I I really wish I had like like a like one of my 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 Irish friends on here to get their perspective because I feel like there was something also distinctly Irish about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a little Irish. I, I got to say, no, but I mean, like Boston Irish. I mean, like a Boston Irish people. Yeah, you're, like not, you're not Boston Irish. I'm not, I'm not the the correct variety of Irish, but I got to tell you, there there was a lot of familiarity in that household. Like the the attitude between him and his wife. Mm, where yeah. like there's this is sort of warmth and a playfulness but all they do is insult each other whenever you're just listening to what they're saying yeah it, there's something about the tonality of the insults Does... are going down that is sweet but yeah. they are only insulting each other and that that's a very i don't care what part of ireland you're from even if you're a diaspora irish like me it's just a thing that's genetically encoded into us that's how we communicate yeah. our love language is insulting each other all the time yeah, I, have an, I had an Irish grandmother, so I can... Uh, there you go. If she ever said a kind word to you, it was by accident. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that his wife... I, I guess the actress is, like, Scottish or something, but I think she's supposed to be Irish in the movie. I don't... I don't I'm not good with yeah. picking up on those actors. He does look more Scottish than Irish, honestly, in my opinion. And I'm also a quarter Scottish, so... But it was my interesting that his wife Scottish. was clearly from Ireland, and he wasn't. Like, he was Irish and yeah. from Boston, and she was... Yeah. I, I liked that. I don't know that it kind of it kind of suggests like this ongoing connection to Ireland, which is real. Like there is yeah. d- definitely a Boston mm-hmm. Irish connection, and you don't have quite as much of that with the like Italians in Boston. You know what I mean? Like I I've been to Italy once, 
and you know but there's not like it's not like there's like a i feel like there's the line of communication is not as uh has not survived as long for uh-huh. for you know um but yeah so I, I thought that was interesting um but joel did you think that the the pessimism of the ending did that feel like it fit with that too do you know what i mean was that like like the just the sort of i don't know how to put it but just like the 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 way that it just kind of you know this is inevitable and it's there's really nothing that's going to be done to avert what happens do you know do, do you know what i mean it's it feels like an irish novel honestly because irish novels are kind of about that same they're miserable right yeah but like they they take such a stroll through the misery of life that they themselves are lighthearted. eddie coyle dies in a happy drunken stupor so he dies yeah. like a noble irishman right and yeah, yeah it was inevitable and yeah it's miserable and pathetic but when you really pull back and the broad view of all human nature we really can't hope for much more I mean, like I almost felt good for him that he went that way, rather than yeah, like got like got it in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like like yeah. if if he had known that he was about to die, that would have been worse. I feel. Do you know what I mean? And he, yeah, you know, no, yeah. He was too dumb and drunk to think he was going to get shot by his best friend in the throat. So, yeah. But it was yeah, it was, it was a really really good movie, Adam. Um, definitely definitely recommend it to people. Uh, I was I rented it on Prime um sadly a lot of movies are coming down from prime however i have yeah. found the cache of like old wuxia movies and stuff that are still on prime that haven't gone away so oh that's uh, good yeah oh hey speaking of caches of just random stuff guess who owned eight diagram pole fighter and didn't know it my new girlfriend so we just have a dvd of that now i'm gonna introduce wow. her to did him. you see the eight diagram bull fighter with us yeah okay you introduced me to that okay. it was uh that was that one guy's farewell performance what's his name oh uh alexander fushung yeah, yeah, Alexander Fushung. Oh man, and it's really good too. He really pours his soul into it. It's it's quite a performance. Yeah, it's, um, that that cathartic scene in the um where they're fighting in the tavern was really mm. tremendous. I thought, you know, um that's a that's a great movie. I, I love and and Kara Hawaii is in it. There's a there's a mm-hmm. Kara Hawaii movie on Amazon called Inspectors Wear Skirts, which is one of the first girls with <laughs> guns. Well, it's it's it started this genre called girls with guns um uh-huh. and uh and it's on prime so that might be one to consider doing at some point i think double gum uh, i think i've seen that one yet actually oh you have cool. it's 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 an interesting one it also has um uh cynthia rothrock in it too um, oh okay so yeah and i think it was somebody else famous i forget there's another there's another there's like another significant star in there um but anyways uh we should probably end it because we've been going for like an hour now Yes, it's been a bit. Yeah, and uh, go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? Uh, Like, I don't want to get as dense as the movie. I want to do one last put down before I leave, (laughs) because I really did enjoy this movie. But it is pretty impenetrable. It's it's as dense and unyielding as a Bostonian brick, but just just as satisfying to hurl into the face of people that aren't expecting it. And they did do a good job capturing that red brick, red brick, the way that it's actually used. Not, not yeah, just like the the Alaskans build... up here were commenting on it because you can't have brick in Alaska. It's oh, all really? Concrete. Well, because we have earthquakes up here, a lot of them. Uh, oh, bricks aren't had, good like, in earthquakes. Is that a not at all? Okay, they are not. You need something yielding. You know, like Boston concrete. had an earthquake in like the 1700s, and we're due for another big one. Like we 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 uh, we, we do get them periodically. Be, yeah, not going to be a pretty time. Then. No, no, no. But uh, that's the good yeah. thing about living on the North Shore. We're all granite. And apparently we're going to be 
more protected. Yeah, I was going to say I've, I'm I'm in California right now, and I'm I'm at a house made of stone, so that's it's just <laughs> built to withstand anything. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of architectural brutalism up here, and there's I don't think there's any brick buildings. Uh, they were really good because I grew up in the Midwest, so I get to go to St. Louis pretty routinely. There's a lot of brick up there, and so I just, this was brick is brick to me. But yeah, I was taking stock of the kind of architecture I've seen when up in Alaska, and um, yeah, it's pretty much concrete. My grandfather grew up in a place called the Brickyard. That's that's uh, Ooh, that's nice. how, and, and he was a stonemason, so. So, oh, yeah. most Bostonian man that ever lived. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we'll end it here, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll hopefully come back with another one of these where we talk about gangster movies. And uh, until next time, we will talk to you later. All right, Ma. So can you just read what's written there for me? You don't care about you. Know, you just want me to read the words. I don't have to like act it out. No, you just read the words. But if you could speak a little loud so that it can pick up, okay, that'd be good. I'll do it now. I'm ready now. Okay. What makes it hurt worse? What makes it hurt more? Is knowing what's going to happen to you, you know? There you are. It just come up and say, look, you made somebody mad. You made a big mistake. And now there is somebody doing time for it. Nothing personal in it, you understand, but it just has to be done.